sorry that you lost her. Well, she's not lost. I know where she is. And that's the ultimate thing. In Jesus, I was lost, now I'm found. And even when we go through this door we call death, you're not lost. Matter of fact, you're under the one who really loves you to the fullest. And that's irreplaceable. Well, I can't, you know, it's running for the movie now. I'd say the movie tonight is, is going to be, it's entitled Irreplaceable. And it's talking about how people you love, the family that God has put you in, there's a reason for it. Those people are irreplaceable. And, and it does matter, your family. And so I encourage you tonight, five to seven, as, as for our time together, we're going to look at this movie that talks about the importance of family and God's design for family. So I encourage you to come be a part of that. And after we're going to have sandwiches and, and uh, just enjoy being together. We're going to look at the proper look today. You know, say, I want to have that look. I gave that up a long time ago. Have that right style and the right clothes and carry yourself in the right way and, you know, to have the right look. But to have the right look, it comes for having the good in look. Understanding who you really are. And you can't understand that without an up look. You see, the right in look comes from an up look. It means I can't understand it unless God is really in my life. And He's in my heart. And I receive the blessings that He wants to share with me. Jesus. And, and so the right end look comes from an up look. And that produces the outlook we need to have. As you look out around you. It comes from an in look that's had the up look. And then you can have the outlook. And that's joy. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're looking in Philippians chapter 1. We'll look at verses 12 through 21. I encourage you to find that text and to stand in our God's honor as I read aloud. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But... What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray. Father, we come to you acknowledging we are a weak bunch, but grateful you are 
not merely a strong God, but the strongest of all. And you promise, Father, to love us and, and to give us what our hearts ache and yearn for. And that's what Jesus is all about. And I pray this morning as we take time to get the right end look from an up look that gives us the ability to make a good outlook. Father, that our look will be Jesus. So, Father, just take your weak servant and speak. And Father, we just want to hear from you. May your word come alive. And that is only by the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we certainly invite you to continue on in this time set apart for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Too often people think that happiness is something in the future. It's something I hope one day to attain. It's the idea, well, you know, when I'm finally able to walk down that wedding aisle and I'm standing by that person that's going to totally fulfill me, there'll be joy. You know, it's it's funny. Um, I met my wife, Cindy, at seminary, and I think I had heard that it was like 10 to 1. So women were like a rare commodity. And, and, you know, most of us guys are like, oh. and But, you know, none of that stuff matters. It was there that God brought me to the precious one, my wife. But anyway, you think, I'll be happy once I walk down that aisle and I'm married. Or I'll be happy once I finally get that diploma and get out of that prison called school. Then I'll be happy. Or once I really get that job that I deserve, then there'll be joy. Then I'll finally have it together. But you see, joy is not something that's always around the corner. It's not something that's elusive that one day I'll have. As we see here with Paul, joy is something God wants us to have now. It is something he wants us to be able to enjoy now. I love the story of the soldier. and um, as, as a guy was talking to him and he said, I really appreciate the fact that you are willing to fight for our land, for our country, for our freedom. He said, but I'm so sorry that as a result of that, you lost your arm in battle. The soldier smiled and he said, I didn't lose my arm. I gave my arm as part of serving. You see, we discover joy and we discover what our hearts ache for. Not merely when we lose something, but when we're willing to give something to God to submit our lives and to submit our hearts, then he sets us free. And that's why it talks about in Romans 8. It really says you're a slave no matter what. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. And what that means is that when we understand that joy, that life that has meaning, all of that is a choice, a decision that we make. It's not something dangled out in the future. It's something God wants us to have now. It says in 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. 
Jesus is the example of that. I, a couple of verses here I thought of. There's Colossians 3, 1 and 2. It says, since you have been raised with Christ. Kind of appropriate, huh, Gracie? Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What's that? That's an uplook. Next verse, verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That, that's your thoughts. That's where you're to think. Romans 12, 2. You know, well, it's hard to do that and not quote verse 1. So it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And now verse 2, I'm so used to putting those together. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a transformed mind. Transformed thinking. Renewed thinking that's to occur. Then there's Romans 8, 5 through 7. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature. Live by that nature. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit. Hey, they live by the Spirit. Then he goes on, he says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit's life and peace. He says, The sinful mind cannot submit to God's law. It's hostile to God. It, it can't do it. He, he says, Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. There has to be a, a change of thinking. And then 1 Peter 1.13, This is a command, guys. He says, uh, therefore, be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given. Um, hey, um, the importance of thinking with the uplook. So we can have that right in look that leads to the proper outlook. You can think of your mind as a, a bank and the right type of thinking, thinking that is in accordance with the Spirit and with the Scriptures. It's like making deposits. So that when there's a time for withdrawal, the interest accrues joy. Because you've had that opportunity to, to see His blessings. Now, Paul is a classic example of this. When you think about him, 30 times in this letter to the Philippians, he uses the word joy or rejoice. But when you look at the circumstances of his life, what is the substance there to be so excited about? He wanted to go to Rome to preach. But he ended up going to Rome as a prisoner in chains. He was a Roman citizen and he deserved an audience before the leadership of Rome. Instead, he ended up in a prison for two years. Chained to a guard. And what was his crime? He loved Jesus and he told other people the truth of the gospel. And for that, he was forgotten. For that, he became as a fugitive. But it wasn't his circumstances that brought him joy. <laughs> it was understanding from the right type of thinking the blessings that he had. Not that he would have, but that he had. Let's look at our text here. He says, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The word advance is a Greek word um, that derives from the very word that was used when 
army, the army would march into battle. It was clearing out the underbrush so that there was a safe place for them to march. And so Paul is saying these crazy circumstances that appeared to be curses was really God's way of clearing the road for the gospel. It was really God's way of clearing the road for him to be exalted and for him to be lifted up. It wasn't a, this is not a curse. This is God's way of bringing blessing. And as he was able to see that clearly, the result of that was joy. And, and look as he goes on here in the text, verse 13, he says, As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. You see, the gospel didn't stop. He didn't stop preaching when he was chained to those guards. They just became Paul's new congregation. And as a guy was chained next to Paul, he got to hear Paul pray. Oh, God, deliver me. God, carry forth the gospel, the good news that, that people are loved through Jesus Christ. I mean, they got to hear him, whether they wanted to or not, hear him sing. I'm sure he sang hymns. And he, he talked about God working. And, and I, I'm sure as he, he had opportunity, he said, Man, I thought I was something, and then I was blinded on a road. And then I heard Jesus Himself speak. And then later, although I was blind, Jesus restored my sight. And that's what He's done in my heart too, guys. And as they heard that, I believe that Paul became the buzzword of the barracks. And as those soldiers went out, so did that message. Can't you hear me? As those soldiers go home, and as they go around the palace and say, Man, there is this guy that I have to guard every day he's got to be a nut but then after a while it's like oh, wait a minute he's real <laughs> the joy is not as a result of where he is it's a rejoice he rejoices cause of who he is and that makes all the difference notice as he goes on here in verse 14 he says because of my chains most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. What's he saying? As Paul writes, he's saying, not only is God encouraging me, he's encouraging other people. As God's strength flows through me, other people are encouraged to be bold, to, to speak the truth, even though circumstances might be tough, they're able to see the power of the gospel. That's at work. As, as the word goes out, um, remember Joseph in the Old Testament? His brothers threw him into a pit. He got carried off in slavery and goes through this incredible chain of events where all he does is follow God and he ends up facing tough time after tough circumstance. And finally... As crazy as it sounds, he ends up the most powerful man in the world. I guess technically Pharaoh was, but he was the guy really calling the shots. And then his brothers came before him, and once he revealed his identity, his brothers just knew, uh-oh, it's he's, he's going to get revenge on us. But that's not what he did. As he cried and he got all emotional before his brothers, he said, 
you may have meant this for bad, but God meant this for good. What happened? Joseph was able to see that although he was facing tough times, God was just working out circumstances to spare God's people from starving to death, from that famine. He was at work through the tough circumstances to deliver and free his people. And and Paul was able to see that in his circumstances. Uh, I've gotten where I listen to different podcasts and a couple of days a week I'll check out and listen to Wretched Radio with Todd Frill who do a commercial for them. 91.5, 5 to 7 every night they do. It's like a talk show. And he had this guest on there. Uh, I listened to it last night, coming back from men's retreat. By the way, we had a great time at the men's retreat. Uh, talked to some of the guys. It was a blessing. But, but I was coming back from that, and I was listening to Todd Frill, and he had some guest on there uh, that's a Christian leader. And it was kind of some scary stuff, to be honest with you. He said, as you're looking at the political climate of our culture and what's down the pike, what do you think is going to happen in five years in the United States as far as Christian education goes? And he said, I, I believe it will come to the point where a lot of our Christian universities and colleges will be forced either to change their stance on their convictions or not to have the money to operate. So many of them will be shut down. He said, I envision in 10 years it will come to the point in the church that We may come to church one morning and there'll be a guy from the IRS standing out there taking your name and before you know it, your taxes are doubled. And he said, as a result of that, many of our churches now are going to become smaller because it's going to cost something to gather for Jesus. It's going to actually cost something. We don't just come and be entertained and we don't just come and enjoy ourselves and we don't just come and feel good, but there's a price and, 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 you know, it was interesting, Todd, he's kind of nuts anyway, but, but he's like, Todd's like, man, that's exciting, not to have my taxes doubled, but it's exciting to think that the church will be a little deeper in Jesus, that, the, that they'll, they'll be walking with God regardless of the cost. You know, he says, count the cost, it says in the Gospels, and, and he says some of that will occur. And as I think about this, I think Paul's, he's got a cost that he's paying, but he says others are encouraged and they're filled with boldness as a result of how they see God working in them. Then as we go on through the text, he says, uh, verse 15, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. He says, the latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. So he describes two groups of people. He describes those who preach Christ out of goodwill, and then there are those who don't have the best intentions. But notice His response to all of that, verse 18, what does it matter? The important thing is in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Now, it's interesting when you contrast this with Galatians 1. Because in Galatians 1, there are some who are preaching the gospel. And Paul has a a lot different uh, sound (laughs) To uh, what he says. He's angry. Whereas here he's he's not. And turn me to Galatians 1. I want to look at that for just a moment. 
starting at verse 6. I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than what you preached, let him be eternally condemned. See, Paul, he's, he's angry and he's bold here. Whereas over here he says, man, what difference does it make? In, in what's it matter in verse 18? What was the difference? In one, he was under attack in Philippians. But he didn't care about that. What he cared about mostly was that the gospel was spoken. You see, Paul's like, I'll come, I'll go. But Jesus is eternal. And if there's any hope to this crazy world, if there's meaning to death and life after death, it's not Paul, it's Jesus. And you see, the problem he had in Galatians was they were trying to change the fact that Jesus is the only hope to it all. The gospel was changed to not put Jesus as the one we look to for hope and salvation, forgiveness and a new start and a new life. And, and so Paul said, it's, if I have a few enemies, so what? But if the gospel is changed, it makes all the difference. You see, it's not about Kingsway Baptist Church and it's certainly not about me. I have news for you. It's not about you. It's about the gospel. It's about Jesus. And as Paul said, and I think it's 2 Corinthians 4 or 5, he says, we preach not ourselves, but Jesus and ourselves as his servants for your sake. That's what it is. That is the difference. And that is the call. Notice as you go down uh, through here, verse 19 he says, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, Paul, the truth is, death is around the corner. So there's a good chance when he's talking deliverance, he's not talking about he's going to get out of those chains. He's talking about he's finally going to be with Jesus for eternity. He says, I eagerly expect and hope I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm not so bold. I'm not so courageous. To you guys, I might be super saint, but I know who I am. And I know that I can fall. And I know that I could get weak. And be a big chicken. I know what I'm capable of. So pray for me. That I will be bold. That my heart will be about the gospel. And not about me. Pray that I will have that courage. That comes not from me. But from Jesus who lives within me. That's, that's his heart. That's what he's praying for guys. And then of course he comes to verse 21. He says for to me. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
And I love that in the Phillips. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is more of Christ. <laughs> more of Jesus. That, that, that's, his, that's his heart. It makes me think of Titus 2, 11 through 14 that so beautifully describes what it's like as we continue to live here. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And then verse 13, he says, while we wait. While we wait for the blessed, glorious appearing of Jesus while we're waiting. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people who are his own, eager to do what's good. Amen. That's where we are right now. It's, it's not about living within this world system, but we've got a taste of that grace of God that says, hey, we're going to be set apart in his power for his purpose, that the gospel may go out. In the meantime, we're waiting for his Blessed, glorious appearing. Because he's coming back. That's, that's what he's talking about there. And, and he says, and why do we have such a hope? Because he gave himself for us. That's the story of, of the good news of the gospel, of the, of the cross, of, of his death. And, and why did he do it? Why did he give himself for us? To redeem us. To buy us back from our sin. From our wickedness. <laughs> and the result of that. So that he can make us his own. People eager to do what's good. That, that's Paul's heart. That's what he's sharing. Is it no wonder there's joy there? First Peter 1.13 in the NIV here. Therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given when Jesus Christ is revealed. Set your mind for action. Set your mind to be upon that blessed hope. Have the up look. To give you that proper end look. So that as we live we have the right out look. That's the call guys. Um, and his exhausted father. He, he came home and what he wanted to do was cut on the TV. Watch the football game. Monday night football. Plop down in his lazy boy. Relax. Of course, this four-year-old boy had a different idea. He came, he jumped in his lap and said, Dad, let's play. Well, now he has this conflict. Do I play with my son or do I watch Monday Night Football? And he came up with this brilliant idea. He looked down, he saw a magazine. And on that magazine, there was a picture of the earth, of the world. So he took it, he cut the picture up in a lot of pieces. <laughs> And he took it and he put it on the table and he put some tape on the table. And he said, what I want you to do, son, is I want you to put the whole world together. He goes, okay, dad. So he goes back in there, sits down. And he goes, oh, you know, gets ready to watch some football. About five minutes later, his son comes bounding in there with the picture tape together. He goes, how in the world did you do that? He said, dad, it was easy. Because when I looked on the other side, there's a big man. And once I put the big man together, the whole world came together. Once we see that what puts the world together is Jesus. Makes all 
the difference when we see that clearly. At the cross, what did he say? He said, it is finished. And the resurrection of Jesus is God's approval that it worked. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, for your hope, and that brings joy. We need that, Father. Boy, we are so prone to forget who and whose we are. And Father, others who need to know the message that they were made in God's image and that God came to buy us back. Because we're a mess, but he came to forgive. And I pray, oh God, that you might speak to hearts today. Maybe someone here needs to simply receive the gift God wants to give. That new start, that forgiveness that comes by saying, Jesus, forgive me, enter my life, make me new. You died for me. And Father, I just pray that your word would go out and touch a heart or two. And, and we would say yes to whatever that call may be, either to meet you for that first time and to receive that forgiveness now or to reclaim what we father at another time received father just just get that joy again because we get deflated too easily i just want you father to be exalted and lifted up in this time that we call response or invitation father we want you to have your way and your spirit to move an altar that's open someone may need to come pray at the altar or to come, I'd love to pray with. and Maybe you want to share something with the church family. I don't know what you're up to, God. I just want to be sure we don't miss it. <laughs> and so may we all be open to what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.